Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome in to the Tighten Up Podcast on the A to Z Sports Podcast Network. I'm Jack Gentry alongside my partner, Austin Huff. You can find us both on Twitter. I'm at Jack A. Gentry. He is at Austin Huff. We are the Tighten Up Podcast. Give us a follow on Twitter, at Tighten Up Pod. Give us a follow on Instagram, at Tighten Up Podcast. And as always, we're under the A to Z Sports umbrella, so go make sure you're following A to Z Sports on every social media platform. This is episode number 198, the chestnut roasting over on IR. Jack Gibbons nipping at their toes of sods. <laughs> like very creative. Was, yeah, I feel like that one was very fitting uh, from our guy Daniel F. I at I am the mighty oak on Twitter. Okay. Guys, give him a follow. Uh, he is one of us. He is a tupper and a true one at that because he sent us a crap ton of so titles, which we appreciate. If you want to send us some so titles at Tighten Up Pod on Twitter at Tighten Up Podcast on Instagram. Uh, but Daniel F at I am the Mighty Oak on Twitter. Hit us with that one. Very Christmas themed. And it is that like awkward week between Christmas and New Year's where uh, I sound a lot differently than I do on normal sods, mainly because I am out of town and I forgot my microphone, <laughs> even though I planned a packet. I don't know what happened. I'm very annoyed about the whole situation. I set it out aside and I thought it was the first thing that I packed in the car. Well, it turns out I don't know where it is because I I must still be at home because it is not here with me, which is why I'm in a closet in my in-laws. I tried to go into like a muted room so like the audio wouldn't sound too terrible, but allow me to apologize up front for my audio and how terrible it is. But it goes in line with how the Titans have played this season, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it might bother our listeners, but it doesn't bother me because you're looking very handsome today, Austin. You're very trimmed up. Well, you look you. at your your skin has a glow about it. You've got a you've got a bit of a holiday glow to you. I'm not going to lie. Um. Yeah. So the uh, it could, it could just a, be the the lighting in your in laws' closet, though. Yeah. It's. I think. I think that's what it is. Um. I. Uh. We've got a great uh, sode for you. Austin Stanley's going to join us to talk about the Titans disaster that was Sunday. But then Jack and I are going to kind of um sandwich that with some optimism. It's our end of the year sode. So we want to look back at the 10 best moments that made us feel good to be Titans fans because there's been a lot of negative, a lot of bad. We want to look at the top 10 best. So we're going to do that and more, but not first without a word from our friends at Relax the Back. Relax the Back sets out every day to help people in the Nashville area work better, live better, and feel better. And if you've got insomnia or posture issues, trust me when I tell you that this is the place for you. They've got massage chairs, X chairs. If you have a bad office chair, a creaky one, one that compromises your posture, go upgrade with that new Christmas bonus over at Relax the Back. They've also got Technogel and Tempur-Pedic pillows and mattresses and the latest in sleep technology. So if you're not happy with your bed or your pillow, go in, trade it out for a new one, and start getting those eight hours. Start waking up refreshed. Start living your best life over at Relax the Back. Go check them out. They're located at 2020 Glen Echo Road in Nashville, Tennessee. It's right across the road from 
Hillsborough High School. If you're unable to get there in person, you don't live in Middle Tennessee, don't worry about it. You know, if you do, it'd be nice because you can go lay in all their beds, sit in all their chairs, get a little free massage while you're in there. But no worries if you don't. You can always check them out online at stores.relaxthebacco.com slash Nashville and check out their amazing showroom. But when you go in, make sure to tell them that A to Z Sports sent you. And with all that said, let's talk Titan. I hear the train a coming. It's rolling around the bend. And I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when. I'm sucking holes of prison. What is up, Flameheads? Welcome to the Titan Up Podcast. Today is the Henberg 27th, 2023. And I'm in my in laws' closet right now. If that isn't like the epitome of this Titan season, then I don't know what is, quite frankly. I don't think I could come to you from a better place to be more descriptive of where this Titans season has ended. You know, like we had such high hopes. We thought this Titans team was going to move out into a beautiful mansion off of a lake and it was going to be awesome. But no, it turns out here we are, uh, week 16 just wrapped and the Titans are stuck in their in-laws closet in their basement. Uh, It is... Uh, it, it's just a travesty, Jack, but, you know, I don't want to dwell on the negative. It is, we are just a few days away from the new year. 2024 is upon us. The Elijah Molden of years, some are calling it. And so I want to be positive. I want to, like, go out on a high note because, I'm, I'm frankly, I'm, I, I think the Titans do a good enough job on Sundays to make us all feel shitty. And I want to not <laughs> feel that way. So let's maybe let's try and do something positive by let's give a ranking of the top 10 best moments for Titans fans this season. I'm down Uh, to, to the Titans credit. They usually only make you feel really shitty for one half. There's there's one half where hope and optimism uh, are, are abundant, but then it's always followed by a half of, like you said, shittiness. Yeah, and it's usually in that half number two is when we feel shitty. Uh, emphasis on two. Number two. Uh, Laying a lot right, of so, number twos and half number twos. A lot of number twos this season, honestly. Um, the Okay, so, Jack, let's do this. Let's, let's um, go through with our power rankings of the top ten greatest moments. Uh, and then in the middle of it, we'll hear from our buddy Austin Stanley from A to Z Sports, and we'll talk about the game and all of that. But let's go ahead and get started with the 10th best moment this season being a Titans fan. Let's do it. And, you know, we got to keep in mind that 10 great moments. I mean, that's a lot for a 5 and 10 win team, right? <laughs> so this, yeah. So, so the, the last ranked best moment. Might not be a great moment at all, right? But it's all we got. Well, and and keep in mind, we are going from the the worst to the absolute best. So number one is the absolute best moment. Number ten is you know probably just like it, it's almost like filler. Like we needed to get to ten items. So what is our number ten item on the list, Jack? You know, week one was sad because it felt like the Titans had that game in the bag. They were the better team. Um, now we know the Saints are, are fraudulent and it felt like they let that one get away because of a couple of turnovers from Tannehill and, you know, some, some dropped passes, just some bad execution, not, not being able to score in the red zone. 
not being able to score in the red zone, but there was one bright spot, and I think it's the 10th best moment of the season. Nick Folk goes five for five on, on opening day, and the Titans have a kicker all of a sudden. Was that he not went, the most surprising thing ever? Like, because uh, we like when they traded for, remember, they traded for Nick Folk, and we were thinking, oh, geez, another aging like kicker. We're going to do this experiment again. And then they brought in Cade York, right? The young gun, the guy who yeah. struggled in Cleveland, lost his job this preseason, but we'd seen him make big time kicks in college, big time kicks the NFL level. He's got a big time leg. So we had a discussion actually in the preseason whether it should be York or Folk. Turns out Folk ends up winning it and really proving that he was worth giving the job to, going five for five in week one. But he continued to go on and make his first 19 field goals as a Titan. It, it was just fun to have a kicker, if only for one week or yeah, 10 weeks. It, uh, look, if, uh, the best album from Taylor Swift is Folklore. The best kicker for the Titans this year was Folklore. Uh, <laughs> all right, <laughs> number nine on our list. <laughs> The Oilers uniform reveal. Let me take you back to the middle of summer. Nothing was going on. The optimism was at an all-time high for the Titans this year. And the Titans unveiled the uniforms. It was like the it was the the uh the worst kept secret. I think we all knew the Oilers uniforms were coming, but it just felt so good to actually see them on Derrick Henry, Jeffrey Simmons, and uh rest in peace, Kevin Byard. Uh but it was awesome to finally get those uniforms. And for me, if you're old enough as I am, you remember them wearing those uniforms as the Tennessee Oilers in the first two seasons in Tennessee. So it, it really did kind of bring you back to like the roots and like the uh, era of like the early days, like the NFL yes campaign in Nashville, like when football was like still like a new thing in Nashville, it was such a cool thing. And obviously it's got tons of history from Houston as uh, uh, Texans fans love to remind us about every time they see those uniforms. But that was a great moment. And it was like, all right, let's go. Oh, and they're wearing them for the Falcons for the homecoming game against the Falcons. And then they're also going to wear them again later in the year against the Texans. Oh, baby, what could go wrong here? Well, yeah, you know, and if you had to pick one of those to win, I, I obviously want to beat the Texans. But I'm yeah. glad that they broke them out because you can't wear them against two divisional opponents, right? That's a bit overkill. Yeah. I, I like that they wore them against one NFC team. just happens to be the closest team in proximity to the Titans. So uh, I, I like that they did that. That announcement was awesome. And watching Oilers, or not Oilers fans, Texans fans proceed to cry for four months straight oh. has been has and- been priceless. J.J. Watt, probably the loudest crier of them all. What a nerd that dude is, uh, especially it's, after it's his the... tweet, after they lost <laughs> to the Texans and him tweeting, oh, we get the jerseys back. That's how it works. Sorry, not sorry. Uh, like, I was like, what a doofus. That dude is such a dinkus. Uh, and if he didn't have biceps the size of everyone else's thighs, I think he would, uh, you know, he would be treated as such. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it really is a gift that keeps on giving, though, because the Texans' hatred for the Titans isn't going to go away, and the Titans wearing the uniforms of the Oilers is also not going to go away. So we move to number eight. At number eight, it's a recent memory. The Titans' defense had ups and downs this year, secondary, mostly downs. But when Elijah Molden picked off Case Keenum and took it to the crib just two mm. weeks ago, mm. you can't tell me that you weren't fired up jumping up and down. 
Speaking that, that of the, to me, a- was the best moment on the defensive side of the ball this season. Yeah, against the aforementioned Houston Texans in those Oiler threats, like those was it was awesome. It was like, oh yes, because to me, if the Titans went one and what sixteen this year, the, to me that one win had to have been against the Houston Texans. Like they had to win that game, and so then they they pick off, uh, um, what's his name? Not Davis Mills. Keenum. The Case Keenum. They pick off Case Keenum, run it back to the house. For six, I'm like, oh, yeah, here we go. Let's go. 13-point lead. What if they win in a route? That would be awesome. Obviously, they got Case Keenum at quarterback. They very well could be. But then the Titans reminded me, uh, again, as we talked about, the second half, uh, emphasis on number two, It uh, they, they are not that. But in that moment, I agree with you, Jack. In that moment, that was such a high point. That was such a great feeling for Titans fans in that moment. Yeah, Elisha Moulton seems to be Johnny on the spot more often than not against divisional rivals because you remember it was him who picked off, not really picked off, but Carson yeah. Wentz essentially handed the football to at the goal line yeah. in Indianapolis last year um, to score a meaningful touchdown in that game as well. The Titans ended up going on to win in overtime. Sadly, the result not the same this year. They go to overtime again, but they lose. Yeah, when you when you need a uh, when you need a pick six against a division opponent. Elijah Molden's your guy, you know? He's not the hero we deserve, but he's the one we need right now. The uh, number seven on my list, and this one's very recent, even more recent than what Jack hit us with. But ladies and gentlemen, Terry Tate, the pain train, made his return to Nissan Coliseum. Oh, baby. Choo-choo! Oh, my gosh. How awesome is that? Uh, I, wanna, I, I believe it was George Woodward. Who sent us the no, video? No, it was Mr. Combos. It was it Mr. Combos. It was Mr. Mr. Combos. Combos that that sent us the oh. video on um on Instagram of the pain train. Nope, it was George Woodward. It was George. Okay, Woodward. good. All right, I get and our compass crossed sometimes. George Woodward, thank you, thank you for sending us that video. Uh, sent us a video. The pain train's back on the jumbotron at Nissan Coliseum. You guys, this is a uh, monumentous day for. Titans fans, look, it's been a rough year for the Titans, obviously losing a legend in Frank Wycheck, but getting a legend in return uh, kind of helps ease that pain a little bit. And there's no one better than the freaking pain train himself, Mr. Terry Tate, the office linebacker, coming back in a big way on that on our Jumbotron, back into our hearts. All the, I think the only thing we could ask for more is just getting Molly Moo back in our lives. But you know what? Look. I'll uh, I'll take what we can get for right now. Baby steps. You know, I, I do have a minor complaint about the pain train returning. It wasn't the OG pain train video. It was kind of thrown into a mix. But like I just said, baby steps. We got to get the but OG he was, pain train video back. It, but it, it, it had to have been a newer video because he was wearing the new threats, the new Titans threats. He, he, he looked great, but he, yes, he definitely was aged. And And let me also say this. Maybe he had been back sooner than this past Sunday. But because uh, I do believe George did mention in his video, hey, this is my first game back. Uh, you know, this is my first game this season. So it may have been sooner earlier on in the year, but it's the first we've been tipped off to it. We thank you for the Tuppers that have gone to work for us to report back this brilliant and awesome news like George. Thank you very much, man. And uh, that was that that to me is like that is huge because. There's so many things we want back as Titans fans to bring us back to the glory days of when the Titans were consistently good and consistently a force to be reckoned with. And that is when the Jumbotron was blaring. First of all, um, 
Johnny Cash, Folsom City, uh, Folsom County Prison Blues. Uh, I hear the train a coming. It's rolling round the bend. Tuffers uh, just heard just it. Folsom Prison Blues, uh, whatever is the song Folsom is. Prison Blues. Thank you. You're thinking uh, of Fulton, Fulton County Blues, which are totally unrelated to Johnny yeah, Cash. Yeah, I'm thinking that's of Fulton Christian County Fulton. Stadium, uh, which is the old Braves Stadium. That's what I'm yeah, thinking about. Um, but uh, no, I the um, that song, the the old guitar riff that we completely ripped off from the Green Bay Packers, the go Titans, go. That needs to be brought back. And uh, obviously we got... Um, Young Buck on the pregame playlist, so check off that off of our to-do list. But you know, just bringing back that nostalgia, the the Kroger shopping cart race, I think could would always be welcomed in everyone's hearts. Um, but I think if you get those things back, then you start to see the uh, the the progress on the field. Now, this may be the most yeah. backwards way of looking at things, but to me and my illogical brain, it it makes sense. When you get the Jumbotron right, then you get the product on the field right. Look, if the football team's going to be bad, make the Jumbotron videos good. That's all we're asking. Bring back T-Rex beating the shit out of opponent mascots before the game on the Cumberland Bridge as well. Or the pedestrian That's a bridge. great point, Jack. Um, it's a great point. All right, last one before we get to Austin Stanley, the boss man. Number six on this list has to be when the Titans pulled off the overtime win in week two against the Chargers. Because all hope was lost in week one. It was doom and gloom. Tannehill's dead. Season's over. Everyone on Titans Facebook was erupting with takes. But they bounced back to beat a good Chargers team in week two. A Chargers team that we all thought would be going to the playoffs. But Brandon Staley gets fired midseason. Easton <laughs> sticks the starting quarterback for the Chargers. And here we are needing to defeat the Chargers one more time. Or, you know, maybe maybe take a loss and jump the Chargers in the draft order to land one of those top five picks. Look, that game was really fun. 27-24, the offense was popping. The defense made big plays down the stretch when it counted. But at the time, it really felt like the Titans were back on track because we were starting to look towards the bye week. Okay, you know, if you get to 3-3 three and three now by the bye week, your schedule really lightens up in the back half, and you can do some damage, get to 10 wins, win the division again. It's just not how it played out. No, it's not how it played out. But in that moment, in that moment, man, we were feeling good. We were feeling oh, so Oh, yeah. Good. Kind of like how in this moment we're feeling good uh, because we're going to get to our guy, Austin Stanley, from A to Z Sports. You guys know him. You love him. Uh, obviously, Bruin High Bruin grad. God bless. God go Bruins. But uh, before we do that, let's first get a word from our friends at BetMGM. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code A to Z Sports and receive up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, player props, and daily boosted odds specials. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Find out why BetMGM is a king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Tennessee only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. First, online real money wager only. Reward issued and non-drawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire seven days from issuance. And problem gambling support. Call Tennessee Red Line at 800 <laughs> Down in my pocket, my wallet, 
All right, we are welcoming on uh, the other Austin of A to Z Sports, the A in the A to Z Sports, uh, a guy you know from all things A to Z, uh, Austin Stanley, and uh, former Bruin Blaze standout and Bruin High School Bruin. God bless and go Bruins. Austin, how are you? What's up, guys? Merry Christmas to the uh, top crew. Thank you. Thank you. All the way uh, from, from Nashville to uh, in the middle of St. Louis, in the middle of a closet somewhere. Uh, my in-law's closet, to be exact. So Yeah, you look like you're like, like uh, in the back of a department store. Like Maybe you're like in the back of Dillard's, which is where Ryan Tannehill spent a lot of time, is the back of Dillard, right? Yeah, right, right, right. The back of Dillard's is not a safe place to be, <laughs> I think. You know, there's like, you know, the, you know, the, the streets of West Chicago, East St. Louis, Washington, D.C. None of that is, uh, all those places are more safe than the back of Dillard's. Uh, it's actually, yeah, no, I'm actually in the, uh, in the warehouse of Cast Caster Knot. Do you guys remember Caster Knot? <laughs> <laughs> this is, uh, no, I, I feel like I'm being held hostage by Mike Vrabel for, uh, turning the Bunsen burner up a little too hot on him, but, but the, people, but the people holding you hostage aren't that crazy because there's clearly some Christmas pajamas over your yeah, lips. Yeah, yeah, like, so they were like, like oh, we'll decorate a little bit. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, yeah, it'd make it a little bit festive. Um, but yeah, no, Austin, I like, I don't know. Like Sunday was so weird, at least for me personally, because I it was like the first game, obviously since Mike Brable has taken over, um, and even well uh, until the first year of Mike Malarkey, that the Titans were playing a football game that had no playoff implications whatsoever. It felt like I was like, I felt like I was wasting my time. I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I could be doing better things, more productive things with my day. Christmas Eve, you know, I could be wrapping gifts. I could be getting all that ready. Uh, but no, I, I was glued to my couch watching this team blow yet another fourth quarter lead. And I, I just don't know what to make of what to make of Sunday. Is there any any positivity whatsoever? It was weird. Like Jack and I were at the rooftop of Acme. It was like 65 degrees in Nashville. Nice Christmas Eve day. And the game ended. The Titans lost, which was a good thing. And it was close. And I, I told Jack this on the way home. I was like, that was a weird post game show. It's like, how, like, what am I supposed to do on this post game show? Like, how do you analyze and break down a game with immediate reaction and emotion with a game that had no meaning? It was it was strange, and so I think the good thing is that they lost. Uh, the Bears won. Uh, the Patriots uh, won, which is interesting. So that the draft pick watch is getting cloudier because of more teams joining that group of four or five wins. Uh, and so, and then the Giants could not pull off an upset over the Eagles, and so the Titans are picking seventh, but have the ability to jump up maybe to to fourth or fifth if some other teams win and the Titans keep losing. So I guess that's the main thing to watch for is to see how the rest of the league is going to end with the last two weeks of the season, which is going to be complete chaos uh, because so many teams are still alive. And if you go look at the AFC playoff picture, about half the teams are eight and seven and they all play each other in the next two weeks. It's going to be stupid. And the Titans fans have nothing to do with it. It's just sitting back and hanging out. Although you, you are playing the eight and seven Texans and the eight and seven Jags, but you're just not involved whatsoever. So that is yeah, kind of boring. Austin, on the way home from that, uh, from, from Acme that day, you know, I told you <clears throat> that I felt like watching the Titans on Sunday was the first time it really felt like a chore in a long time. 
where, you know, I'm attached to this team. I love this team, but it, it really doesn't feel the same. Like it, it felt like just something that I had to do, not something that I wanted to do. Yeah, and, there was no emotional charge, right? Yeah, exactly. And and it sucked, right? It's the first time we felt that way under Mike Vrabel. Um, it's the first time we felt that way, you know, in a really long time. And, it, you know, even though the 2010s were really bad and tumultuous and, and you just, the ball never bounced the Titans way in that decade, it felt like um, it, it, it still felt new to me. Um, maybe that's expectations. Maybe that's just, you know, how Mike Vrabel coached football teams have trained me to feel right that we're in every game. We've got a shot in every game. And, you know, in the fourth quarter. They're going to be in position to win this football game if they do everything right. Now, this season, they haven't done everything right. They've hardly done anything right. Um, <laughs> but how how are you going to approach these last two games here moving forward? Because it's going to be more of the same, right? Nothing to play for outside of the tankathon standings. And we'll have those up. We'll hit refresh as soon as all the games end and see where the Titans stand right now as we're talking on Tuesday. They, they, they stand to pick seventh in the upcoming draft. So I want to ask you, how are you going to approach these last two games? And also, is there a target number you're looking for for the Titans in the draft order? Is is there a couple number? Maybe like it's five, six, seven, eight. Is there a target number you're looking for? Because, you know, if they get up to five, it feels like their options are more open, right? Like you you could get away with taking a receiver at five. You could get away from, uh, I don't know if there's a top five cornerback out there this year, but. Left tackle is obviously going to be a possibility no matter where you are in the top 10. But it just feels like at five, your options are a little more open in terms of trading back, in terms of drafting a receiver instead of a left tackle. Uh, what Was there a number you're looking for here? Yeah, I think it would be great to get to five. I don't think it's going to happen, though. Um, unfortunately, the Titans' schedule's too good. Uh, teams are winning too much uh, that they've played, and so that hurts – and you're going to lose the Texans and lose the Jags, which is going to make your strength of schedule even more difficult, which knocks you back down the draft board. But yeah, if you're at five and you remove the two quarterbacks from the conversation, I think it's even more important. If you're ahead of the Bears' second pick, it's a good spot to be in because the Bears could go quarterback at number one overall with the Panthers pick and then Marv Harrison Jr. with their second pick. But now they've won too many games. They might have just won themselves out of Marvin Harrison Jr. to go along with Caleb Williams. And so I think that's important to watch for. But I think as long as you're no lower than eight, you'll be okay. You can get a blue chip player no lower than eight because you're going to get a top talent that's non-quarterback because Drake May and Caleb Williams are going to go ahead of you. And is there a third quarterback going to work its way up there? Maybe, probably, that's typically what happens. So that's a good thing for the Titans there, too. And over the next couple of weeks, I still want to see Will Levis play quarterback. I I want to see if he can go out there with an ankle and practice some this week and see if he can play against Houston. Because I do think the the main interesting aspect of this last two games is if Will Levis can get healthy enough to play, can you have an opportunity to see him play an opponent for the second time in a year and how he responds to that repeat opponent, and especially if it's the Texans, like fairly close to one another. Uh, I, I'm curious about that, but I don't know if they're actually going to do it or not. It feels like with the IR moves they made last weekend, they, they will probably try not to play him if at all possible. Yeah. I'd love to see him because when the Texans came to Nashville, it was Case Keenum and, 
I think everybody in this division it would be excited to watch a Levis versus Stroud showdown. Obviously, Stroud's had the better year, but you know he's gotten to develop a little bit more with more snaps and everything. Um, but I, but I do think it's interesting because the way Trevor Lawrence has played this year, um, it, it feels like it's not that far off to say that Stroud and Levis, no matter what order they fall in, could be the first and second best quarterback in this division moving forward. Hmm. I don't know about it's too early for Levis. It's too early. It I, is, but but I'm I, saying down the road. Yo, Trevor, oh, Trevor, Trevor totally, Lawrence has not. He's, he hasn't been able to hit that second gear yet. No, I I think know? the division is wide open next year. Nobody wants to win it this year. The Titans could go out there and buy a bunch of players to go around Levis and see what happens. And 2024 is up for grabs. Well, doesn't that make this year all that much more frustrating? Because, like, if you think about it, the Titans make two extra points. You beat the Colts. You beat the Texans. If you score a touchdown in the Saints game, you beat the Saints week one. That's three more wins right there. And then you're right there tied with for first place in the AFC South. Like it like it just goes to show you like how just important and how dire obviously and obviously you would have had to beat the the Seahawks on uh, on on Sunday as well. Which was winnable. The Seahawks were not very good. Exactly. Another blown fourth quarter lead. I, it just, I look back and I'm like, this is insanely frustrating how bad they've been and yet how close they're, they still were to a playoff spot. And I've just, I don't know. I freaking, I feel like I'm banging my head against the wall every single week, just thinking about what ifs and, and what could have been. And I, I just, but, and yet I feel like I keep expecting things to change. You know, it's the definition definition of insanity where i'm like yeah you know maybe this week maybe this is the week where they don't blow a fourth quarter lead or maybe right. this is the week where they put something together offensively and every week it's the same damn thing and i feel like like how the people within that building don't see that like don't like aren't like okay well you know we're getting the same thing uh, you know we're, we're rolling out the same thing every single week and i know they're kind of hamstrung by the the you know the roster and the choices they have they don't have a whole lot of depth but schematically like i don't know maybe try and change stuff up a little bit but i don't know i i'm sorry this is more of like a venting i'm i'm, I'm uh laying <laughs> What's down my on the hourly couch? rate for being yeah this is this is yeah this is therapeutic for me i just need to vent because i can't vent to my wife and her family because they don't care about the titans whatsoever so uh <laughs> Uh, I just needed the kids are too young to hear it. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like, am I, am I, am I uh, wrong in my, my, my thought process of like this team could, and probably should be right up there with the rest of the AFC South with how bad they've been and how bad the Titans have been. No, Huff, you're not crazy. Uh, You you. you are thinking correctly Uh, yeah it's so it's so simple right yeah two extra points and you get two divisional wins and they get knocked down and then you can maybe not put everybody on ir go beat the seahawks and you're eight and seven not even including the saints game right you you flush that thing so here's the other thing though of all the stuff you just said think of the niners even the niners had a couple years where their expectations were high but they have a slew of injuries and they bought them out but they got nick bosa and they got Nick Bosa high in the draft, and then it propels them forward. And so just view this as the, the Nick Bosa year, except you need a left tackle to, to block the Nick Bosa. And just go get the left tackle of the future and reset. 
nobody in the AFC South is a Super Bowl contender. It's not like you're going to be multiple steps behind the Texans or the Colts or the Jags. The Jags have crashed back down to earth. The Colts are going to start next year in the same place they were to start this year. And who knows what Anthony Richardson is going to be. It's just can Will Levis grow and start to outduel C.J. Stroud and what happens with the Jags and Trevor Lawrence. But I, I think I think the Titans are fine as long as they just get to the end of this year, flush it, go spend money, and and compete next year and be okay. I, I like that you brought up the 49ers there, Austin, because I think that everybody agrees they're the best roster in football. They've probably got the best coach in football. But in 2020, Nick Mullins was their starter, and they went 6-10. and 10. And two years before that, it was C.J. Beathard, Battleground Academy legend, leading the, the 49ers to another 4-12 and 12 season. So, like, good teams have dark days. And I think that's important to uh, to understand here. But what, is, what what do you think will help the Titans pull them out of these dark days? Because $75 million is a lot to spend, right? Mm-hmm. But there's so many holes that you're not going to possibly be able to fill them all in one offseason. So, looking ahead, what do you believe should be the number one priority this offseason? Should it be a coaching change at a, at a certain spot? Should it be a free agency addition? Should it be drafting a certain position? What do you think should be priority number one? As soon as that 18th game goes final against the Jaguars, what do you think the Titans should, should be looking forward to most? I don't think the Titans should change any coordinators outside of Craig Ackerman, who's already been done. Like I think Even, Tim Kelly, I think Tim Kelly's fine. I think Shane Bowen's fine. I don't think that's going to be a, anything that happens. Like, So we had this discussion with Buck, and I don't mean to interrupt you. But it was at the very end of our interview. And I want to see if we can get a little more meat on the bone here with you than we did with Buck because it was so late that we prompted this question. Yeah, and plus Buck's meat just tastes terrible. It's okay. one star meat, half a star meat, depending oh, on the Oh, it's day. half star at best, yeah. But <laughs> so, so you say you don't want to change a coordinator, but does your opinion change at all if Arthur Smith is like going to Atlanta? Ooh, good question. Because Tim Kelly hasn't necessarily, you know, he hasn't had a lot to work with personnel-wise. I don't know Tim if there's Kelly been a averages points, point four points per game more than Todd Downing. All right, like to me, that's like that's the offensive coordinator. I don't care how many yards you gain. I care about how many points you put up. And seventeen points per game is no better than what Todd Downing was doing. And we all hated Todd Downing. We all wanted Todd Downing out the door. I'm not saying I'm not saying you know Tim Kelly isn't great. I do think Tim Kelly's a better coordinator than Todd Downing, but the <laughs> results are not showing. Huff, what's your favorite movie sequel from the 90s? Ooh. Movie All right, I'll be back in five minutes. minutes. Yeah, I was going to say, Jack's not going to be any help with this. Uh, I, if you would have said if you would have said the 80s, I would have said Back to the Future. Um, but from the 90s? Damn, I don't know. Why? Why? You lead me down a path? Was, I it, was it better than the original one? Okay. All right. All right. Look. All right. Look. And I'm a firm believer the sequel is never as good as the original. I I agree with that. That too so is better bring than back that. Arthur Smith to do However, it again. And it's oh, here we go. Here we go. Same. You want a movie from the '90s that was a sequel that was better than the original? Terminator Two. And I didn't ask Arthur you that Smith way is. for a reason. I asked <laughs> Arthur you what Smith was your... is Terminator, and he would come <laughs> back with a vengeance. It would be Judgment Day for the rest of the AFC South. No. And and he'll he'll literally he'll look. Right after he signs his uh, his exit papers with the Falcons, he'll look up to the camera and he'll say, 
I'll be back. And he and he's talking to Nashvilleians, and then boom, he's back. No, there's with no the way. Titans. No, you don't. You don't bring back Arthur Smith because you're gonna try to recreate that nostalgia that you had, and it's just not gonna be the same because Art did it with Derrick Henry from three years ago, AJ Brown, John New Smith, Taylor Lewan, Roger Saffold, Ben Jones, uh, Quentin Spain, and Jack Conklin. It's there's nobody that's the same. And I just think there's no way that it would be so disruptive of all of the flow in the building to bring Arthur Smith back after Tim Kelly didn't do anything to lose his job. But, okay, I think Tim Kelly's right, fine. Right. I think the the problem is they're handcuffed by personnel. Uh, I do think they're letting their personnel like freak them out and dictate too much of their tendencies. But I don't think that's enough reason to bring back fired Arthur Smith to come fix something. He's not just going to, you know, wiggle his nose and it be 2020 all over again because the sure. players are, are a lot worse. Now, I just to push back and again, I don't think you're I don't think you're 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 wrong here. I, I, I don't. I just playing a little devil's advocate mm-hmm. with the, you know, the build up and the flow and everything like you, 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 you would disrupt that. And I and I understand how important that is to, you know, switch from coordinator to coordinator as a young rookie quarterback with, with Levis. Obviously we saw it firsthand with Mariota. However, I'm not seeing the flow and the buildup that you're referring to. Cause I feel like I'm watching this offense and I'm seeing it be no different aside from maybe connecting on a deep jig uh, pass uh, from, you know, and then saints week um, maybe that, that pass is being connected uh, and, but aside from that, like there's not a whole lot of growth. There's not a whole lot of development. Like this offense is not any better than they were week one. If anything, they're the exact same. If anything, worse. Uh, it was it was better with Levis. It was it was yeah definitely yeah, yeah. Better. Levis has made a difference. Yes yes for sure. And I I think Jack and I were talking about this on the way home from Acme too. It, I think Ryan Tannehill's paranoid. I think, I don't think he's playing I love scared. This. I think Ryan Tannehill's paranoid about getting smacked. And ended up yeah. in the back of Dillard's like you are. And I think I think he's like it's it's making his play he's he's like getting crushed by it. But yeah. it's not even there. It's just he's he's expecting it and not able to play freely or make plays on the field, which is what cost him the Saints game. And then you saw Levis come in, in here and just was playing open, didn't have those bad memories or thoughts creeping in that allowed him to make open plays down the field right. and not be worried about the the quarterback that uh, or the the edge rusher coming around the backside or anything. And Tannehill was doing the same thing in 2019 when Mariota was playing paranoid. Yeah, yeah, no, and, and you're right. And Mariota and I, gets that's benched. I, I, like and, I'm afraid yeah. if we stay the course, kind of like I, I don't know. And I'm sure the the offensive line will improve. I mean, then again, we said this last year, but mm-hmm. the offensive line will improve to next year. You have to assume. You have to hope. But. If it doesn't, I mean, I'm afraid Will Levis is going to fall into that. Like, because I, I that's not a, it's not a knock on Tannehill to say he's playing paranoid. That's an, that's any quarterback would play that sure. way if they were getting hit that much. And if they had two, uh, essentially two season uh, ending injuries, mm-hmm. I feel like that's, you know, I, I'm, I'm just scared that Levis is going to be this, you know, this great quarterback that we're going to allow to suck because we could not provide the protection that he deserves. And then he just falls down that same route. And then it's just a lost cause. And then two or three years later, we're all clamoring for a high draft pick so we can get a quarterback again. And 
I don't know. I just, I, I, you see it too often in the NFL. I think there were yeah. far many quarterbacks in the NFL that like maybe started as a rookie that would have had extremely promising careers. Hell, Anthony Richardson, we don't know if he'll come back, you know, from his injury. Mm-hmm. Like if to have promising careers, but never really got the chance because they were thrown to the wolves too soon. And the team was not ready yeah, for that. Bad part. landing spots. Uh, yeah. And I, right. and before uh, I want to turn it over to you, Austin, I do. I, I love this train of thought because I think so much of what makes a good quarterback has to do with your mental makeup and it's how you train your brain, right? Like Mariota came in ready to sling it around the field, uh, took a, took a beating, had a lot of injuries. His clock sped up. Like you said, I like, I like the word paranoid because even if there wasn't pressure, it was almost as if he would feel pressure before it arrived. And you bring in Tannehill whose brain wasn't trained that way behind the Titans offensive line. So he didn't know any better other than to come in and let it rip. And now we're seeing Tannehill in the back end, like you said, kind of how Mariota felt, right? A little skittish in the pocket, maybe making decisions too quick, anticipating pressure too quickly. And Levis comes in, doesn't know any better. Then he just sit back there, let it happen in front of you, let it rip if it's there. If it's not, you know, get get your knees taken out from behind you like he did against Houston. I love, I, I love this comparison. I also think Tannehill's paranoid about throwing picks. I, if you go if look at the the game against the Seahawks, how many times he got sacked from just waiting, 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 waiting. He yeah. said in his presser, he was like, you know, sometimes you wait to the last second, you get that big play because you can throw it late. I think he's paranoid about throwing a pick because he knows everybody in a Titans jersey or, or gear in the stadium is going to boo him out the building as soon as he throws another pick because of what happened in the playoffs against the Bengals. I think he's sure. paranoid both ways. And there's yeah. money and on the I table, mean, like, right? He, yes. This is tryout season for Tannehill. There's 31 other teams in the NFL that might have a spot for him as a backup or, you know, able to compete for a starting job. And the last thing he wants to do is finish the season throwing, you know, five picks in his last three games. And everybody says, man, you know, maybe Tannehill doesn't have anything left in his tank. Yep. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's also, I think it's also fair to point out that he's taken 10 weeks off, you know, like that's a, you know, to come back off of that and then to be as crisp and, you know, fresh as you are. Obviously, like we all know, as Titans fans, week one Titans are terrible. And it's mostly because they don't play in the preseason. They don't mm-hmm. get those reps. And Tannehill hasn't had those reps in 10 plus weeks. So, yeah, I wasn't I mean, honestly he's also expecting like, him to he's come also out. He's 34 years old. He has to know how to manage the clock better in both yeah, yeah, the yeah, end no, of that, half and the end of oh, game, right? Yeah, no. Let me say the last drive of the game was yeah. that was god awful that was yeah. that, that frustrating was frustrating as hell for a pro a seasoned vet like him a guy who has done it before what like 14 come from behind wins in fourth yeah. quarter overtime like a guy who knows how to man like i was honestly confident when he started trotting out there for that final drive with a minute left i was like surely they can at least get a field goal mm-hmm. that was it was it was like you said austin it was a, a paranoid Tannehill out there like one afraid to get hit, but then also two afraid to throw those like throw those ropes. You know, get the like, death pick. He's afraid of the death pick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, yeah, it just very, very frustrating. But I don't know. On the way, like on last two games, do we? If Willis is a no go, are we going? Are we going uh, Tannehill or are we going Willis? I mean, like I feel like still go Tannehill just because. Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel no like he gives you the best opportunity to at least get a good look at other guys on the team. Yep. You know, everyone's so concerned about what you And that's the only point you can really make for Tannehill, right, is to continue 
to aid Chig and Traylon in their development, yeah. right? Because Tannehill, you mean, know like, what you're getting. I saw, you know, Titans Facebook. I saw somebody post like 149 yards and no touchdowns. You're saying Malik couldn't do that? And I'm like, no, yeah, Malik can't do that. Like, he can't throw for 100 <laughs> yards. We've seen it. He can't. We've yeah, seen it. 89 yards yeah. and, and no <laughs> like, touchdown. No, they exactly. don't let him yes. throw. That's, that's the point. No, and he won't throw. <laughs> mm-hmm. He won't throw for 100 yards. Absolutely, he can't throw for 149 and zero touchdowns. Yeah, and, and what was it, like yeah. five sacks for Tannehill? I think it would be, what, uh, seven, eight, nine sacks for, for Willis? I, yeah, talk about holding on to the ball sacked, too long. Yeah, that's his game. Four times in London in like yeah. a quarter and a half. Look, but I think that I, could, I wish were better than they are, but they're not, and it's <laughs> right. it's frustrating. It just makes more sense to me to throw Willis back out there because maybe you juice up the draft pick a little bit. Maybe you see enough, and I don't think you will in two games. I don't think it's possible. I think the ship has already sailed. But if the Titans are seriously evaluating through every week of the season, even in games that don't matter, I just think that Tannehill should not play another snap here. I wanted him to win that game on Sunday simply to see him go out on a high note because he deserves to go out on a high note. Um, But since that didn't happen, I just don't see the need to put 17 back there under center anymore. Austin, how do you feel about that? Mm. Again, I'd rather, like Huff said, I'd rather watch Ryan Tannehill throw the football so Traylon Burks can do stuff or Chig yeah. can do something rather than Malik run around and like a squirrel. He's moving a lot, but he's not going anywhere. And then you get sacked. Like, I don't want, I have no interest in that. Right. He has liberty itis, is, is what we, we say. <laughs> like, he does things on the field that he thinks he could speak, who he, that he could do in liberty, but yeah. he, like, obviously. You know, the NFL is like eight steps above uh, the level of football that he saw at Liberty. Uh, all right, Austin, before we let you go, before we get you out of here, um, Jack and I have been putting together a uh, top 10 list, which if we can even get to t- 10 things on the list, I I think it'll be a it'll be a modern miracle. But do you have something that you would like to add to our list of something to be? I guess an optimistic list. We're, we're look. We've been so negative this season. It's been yeah. so hard to be a Titans fan this season. As our on our last sode before the new year, we wanted to say, "Hey, look, here's the top ten things of times where it was good to be a Titans fan. We were happy to be Titans fans." Do you have anything specifically that you would like to add to the list? Can it be? Is it just one moment or one like category of something from the year? Any um, anything that happened that increased your dopamine levels in your head can count. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So, like, so it can go from you know seeing somebody fired or seeing somebody drafted or a free agency move or right. Brad Paisley's Sunday CMA concert with uh, DeAndre Hopkins in attendance, perhaps. Not to be yeah. too specific. I uh, I have two. One of them's like the individual moment, but DeAndre Hopkins making that one-handed catch in training camp. That was like the first, like, uh, oh my gosh, it's DeAndre Hopkins play. And like Titans are going to the division. Like it was like that was the reaction. Yeah. And I think that moment, and I missed I missed it. I like was filming like in between something, sending a tweet or whatever, and got the tail end of it kind of blurry. Uh, but that was a big moment. But my other, my actual like serious thing is the return of Harold Landry. I think Ooh, that is something okay. that you can put on the list and say, Harold Landry came back from an ACL tear and had a damn good season and finished strong. And what does that mean for 2024 in the defense? 
Okay. All right. I like that. I like that because like after your first one, I'm not going to lie. I was like, oh, great. You're one of your best moments was a rep in training camp. Yeah. Training <laughs> like, camp high goes, video. Yeah. Yeah. That would, that just goes to show you what kind of years man for Titans fans. You're like, yeah, yeah, probably the best moment was like when they were at practice. I've got a pass on the guy who couldn't cover Christian. Ford. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. No. And you make a great point about Harold Landry. I mean, like since the bye week, even like the guy has been playing with his hair on fire, a true yeah. flame head. And it has been incredible to see. And it's been encouraging to see, because if you can get him, if you can get Jeff Simmons, what Danico Autry has become. And even Arden key as of late, like if you can just like kind of keep that core together. I mean, we all know how good the Titans can be when that, defensive line is cooking i mean like yeah. they essentially got them you know for you in uh what, what two seasons ago when they went 12 and 5 that defensive line was a big reason for it because yeah, they could shut was... down the run and they could you know and then guys quarterbacks didn't have any time to pass you know like uh, that even the Bengals game like joe burrow was not the reason the Bengals won that game and it was because that defensive line was so monstrous so if you can yeah. even get close to that like half of that then I think we all know football is one in the trenches and that is the defensive line is a, a massive part of that. You win the Colts game, the first Colts game, if Zach Moss doesn't go off for over a hundred yards. So I just, yeah, I think that's a great answer. Now I'm, now I'm encouraged. I, damn it. Harold Landry comeback season. Seven and a half of his nine and a half sacks came after the bye week. Like Austin Huff was just talking about. It's been a remarkable second half of the season for him. Um, okay. My last question before we go. And this this is to both of y'all. I want to hear both of y'all's thoughts. Who is the better defensive free agent that the Titans have signed? Kyle Vandenbosch or Danico Autry? Because Vandenbosch, remember, that he played uh, 05, 06, 07, 08, and 09 in Tennessee. He was a part of that team that started 10 and 0 the chain gang right Mm -hmm. with tony brown and albert hainsworth and javon curse so he was a part of that one big team Danico autry has been part of big teams as well um i they've they've both been impactful i think Danico autry um plays a little bit bigger role in the run game than kvb did but i want to hear what y'all think here well i'll tell you who's the more terrifying person to get when you were an intern for George Plaster's radio show <laughs> to grab him off the training camp field to get an interview with. And that was without question, Kyle Vandenbosch uh, with the red contacts in his eyes. And yeah. like me, like a young squirt fresh out of like te- technically still in college saying, uh, excuse me, Mr. Vandenbosch, uh, <laughs> could, could you come do an interview with George Plaster? And like hey, literally hey, this Kyle? Is, like dripping hey, Kyle? down my pants. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then and, and he's just like, what do you want, kid? Looking like Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> Literally. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so I, no, Vandenbosch, look, and I, that actually will be my answer too, because I think Vandenbosch, what he did on the field was like, it, it felt contagious to the other guys on the field. Not to say that what Danico Autry does on the field isn't, but Vandenbosch was the kind of guy who had a high motor where if he missed a tackle on a, on a sack, like that, that, that play that, um, uh, oh, who was it that missed the sack on Lamar Jackson last week? And uh, and Lamar Jackson connects on that pass to likely like 40 yards down oh, the yeah, field. Yeah. If Kyle Vandenbosch missed that sack, he would have then gone down and made the tackle on likely 40 yards down the field. Like right. that's just the kind of player he yeah. was. So, and I maybe I'm just nostalgic too, uh, but I'm going to go Vandenbosch on this. I think you have to go 
Kyle Vandenbosch because of the diamond in the rough find. Like Danico Autry got paid like free agent money. KVB was a nobody cast off because of injuries after injury with the Cardinals and wasn't expected to do much of anything. When they, when the Titans and John Robinson signed Danico Autry, I said, yes, that, that is an a plus free agent signing immediately. And then it was even better than that. But those, that's a tough question because both those guys are exactly what you're looking for in free agency. Veteran, productive, yeah. works hard, doesn't talk much. KVB, four sacks total in four years before signing with the Titans. That was one of the most fun players right. I've ever seen. Talk about ROI. I saw a photo the other day of uh, LeBron James getting a basketball hoop, like a little tykes basketball hoop for uh, Christmas in 1987. Probably Kyle Vandebosch is like number two on the list of ROI behind that photo. <laughs> uh austin thank you so much for taking the time and we got uh like 30 seconds before our clock runs out but uh we appreciate you and uh hope i, I just live. want everybody to know uh a to z would pay for a zoom account for these guys if they <laughs> would be disciplined and not going an hour and a half hour 45 minutes on their episodes why it's limited is because we want them to be limited to use their time wisely <laughs> that is so great that? That is, because that is like the first thing everyone says like man a to z is like pretty cheap with you guys austin's like no, no. guys we're not cheap okay <laughs> This is for the best. <laughs> yes. <laughs> See you guys. There are no flags on the field. It's a miracle. Tennessee has pulled a miracle. All right, special thanks to Austin Stanley, but we got to continue our list. Our top 10 moments from the 2023 calendar year where we felt great as Titans fans. And I'm just going to go ahead and get this second half of this list kicked off. On a foot that we probably took too much joy from. And this was Todd Downing being fired. I, look, never in my life, well, maybe I did years ago, but uh, lately, at least as I've grown up as an adult, I've I've been cognizant to not be one of those people that's like, fire Todd Downing or fire Vrabel. You know, like, look, I'll, I'll say things like the, you know, bring on the Bunsen burner and maybe turn the heat up on the seat that Mike Vrabel is sitting on, but I will never. That happened just last week. Yeah. And I will never, but I will never, ever, you'll never hear the words fire Vrabel come out of my mouth in a, you know, in a term of getting him, like getting him to lose his job. Same thing with Todd Downing. I never said it last year. I was, now I will say this when he did inevitably lose his job, I wasn't sad, (laughs) you know, like, but I will, I just, I don't, I don't I will never root for someone to lose their livelihood because it, essentially that's what it is for these men at the end of the day. If they're not doing their job well, I will put pressure on them by being critical of them, but I will never say they hey, fire Todd Downing. But when Todd Downing is fired, I will be happy because I thought that there was no way that an offense could potentially be worse than where he brought that offense at the end of the year. Obviously, you ended last year on a seven-game losing streak, and the offense was a large, large part of that. And then he was let go. I was like, okay, good. Bright days ahead. I was thinking, maybe we did many episodes on this, Jack. I don't know if you remember, but we were thinking, hey, look, Eric Bieniemy, huh? What? Is this, is it, could this possibly be it? Especially when he, when 
all the teams hired their head coaching vacancies and Eric Bieniemy wasn't one of them. We we're like, okay, he could get that offensive coordinator job in Tennessee, but it turns out the Titans did not even interview him and instead just promoted from within for the eight billionth time in a row and went with Tim Kelly and the offense. I'm not going to say it wasn't, it was, uh, it wasn't better because it was 0.4 points per game better than what it was under Todd Downing. Um, so there was, I guess, at least a little bit of improvement there. The Titans offense is living, breathing proof that the grass isn't always greener, right? And after Todd Downing, you thought the offense would improve drastically, but it turns out the grass is only greener where you watered it. And the Titans didn't really <laughs> water their grass this offseason. Sure, they brought in D-Hop, but the yeah. offensive line wasn't fixed. You didn't do a whole lot outside of bringing in D-Hop. So because you didn't water your grass, you got a similar result, and you still have a one yard of the month in three years. Yeah, no, it's a great, it's a, it's a great uh, point by, uh, by you, Jack. Uh, what's number four on our list? Well, it has to be the day that DeAndre Hopkins signed, right? The the Hop fanfare that went into that, the the race between Hop, and thank God it was a race between the Titans and the Patriots, right? Because I don't know if we could have beat out anyone else. But we can sure as hell beat out the New England Patriots yeah. when it comes to attractiveness as a free agent destination for an offensive skill player. So D-Hop signing, you know, it it wasn't just big because the Titans got a playmaker. But D-Hop has been the catalyst in Will Levis's development, right? Like without DeAndre Hopkins, we do not feel the way we feel right now about Will Levis. So we owe a lot of that. And we owe, and I think Will, Will Levis would acknowledge this, that Without D-Hop, he's probably not the Will Levis that we know and love right now. Yeah, and I think that 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 moment was huge for a couple of reasons because, one, it meant that a top-of-the-line free agent chose Nashville, chose the Titans. And the Titans don't get that a whole lot. The Titans usually miss out on opportunities like that. Obviously, you know, like the Julio Jones thing uh, felt similar, but that was in a trade. This was free agent signing like DeAndre Hopkins basically said, and it could have been one of those things where it's like no teams were willing to give him what he wanted and the Titans were her, but I don't care. Like at the end of the day, he chose the Titans and in turn, he's made the Titans better. He just by being in that wide receiver room with the young guys that they have in there with him. And then also I think, and I could be wrong on this, but I think he's making Will Levis better. You know, they're not on the same page oh, yeah. a lot of times on the field. And you see that. And you see the frustration both from Hopkins and from Levis. But I think in that, both guys are kind of learning uh, together. But more so, Will Levis is learning from D-Hop, from a vet, from a seasoned vet who's been there before and has gotten on the same page with his quarterbacks. And I think them having an offseason together is going to be awesome. And it, I'm very excited for 2024 with him still being in two-tone blue. Two years, I think it was $26 million, and D-Hop's been worth every penny. Here we are with two games left. We have no idea who's going to start at quarterback on Sunday. But DeAndre Hopkins is, what is it, 61 yards away from 1,000 yards this season. If there has been any Titans receiver in history that deserves to hit the 1,000-yard mark, it is DeAndre Hopkins this season. 61 more yards. I hope the offensive staff realizes it and emphasizes getting the ball to D-Hop early and often during these last two games so that he can hit that number, that important benchmark for a wide receiver. Um, let's see, moving on here. Austin, do you have number three for us? Number three. The Monday night football comeback 
in South Beach against the Miami Dolphins. And for those uh, well-actually nerds on the internet, it's not actually in South Beach. They're actually an hour north in Coral Gables. Uh, okay, shut up. Uh, no, it is that to me was an awesome moment for a number of reasons. One, it proved that the Titans still had that in them. And you guys know, as any Titans fan knows, you know what I mean when I say that. Like when we watched that game, that felt like vintage Titans. Them winning a game that they had no business winning. And not only doing so, but coming from behind with a rookie quarterback and, and just doing it like flawlessly even. Like the, the second half, like the comeback, I should say, was flawless. Obviously, the game was not, but, you know, you had its moments. You had Will Levis trucking Jalen Ramsey in that game. Like, you had just incredible, uh, like, things come out of that. And it was on a national uh, national broadcast, well, split in half with another Monday night game. Uh, So half of the nation was watching that game. And when I say half, I really only mean the small portion of Titans fans and the small portion of Dolphins fans, because everyone else was probably watching the big market game, uh, Packers, Giants that same night. But picture in picture, they probably got to see a little bit of the Titans come back. And that to me, in that moment, it was like, great. The Titans still had a, a very small sliver of hope for the playoffs. But even more so, it was like, maybe the Titans have found their mojo again. Maybe they're starting to click. Maybe they're starting to gel. The very next week proved to us that they, they have not. Uh, but in that moment, that was a fantastic moment to be a Titans fan. Yeah, that was one of those rare moments where the high is better or is more powerful than the come down, right? Because the Titans is 767 times in the NFL. Teams have been trailing by 14 points with three minutes or less to play. But it was the Titans who broke that drought and ended up coming from behind and beating one of the best teams in football one, and holding one of the best offenses in football yeah. in check in front of the national audience. And e- you know what that proved is that even in a really down year for this team, you can't sleep on the Titans. Right. Because they're, they're a snake in the grass. And and let it not be I, – I don't think we can uh, emphasize this enough either. The Miami Dolphins are – if not the best, at very worst, the second best team in the entire AFC. They have the best offense, both rushing and passing. They're going to set records this season. They have a wide receiver in Tyree Kill, obviously got hurt in the game, but they kept him in check when he was on the field. A guy who's probably going to go for over 2,000 yards receiving. I just feel like that as a whole, that game was so wonderful, and it was so much fun to watch. Number two on the list, Austin, has to be. It has to be Will Levis' first game against the Falcons. Like, oh, my gosh. That was in a spot where the Titans had just come off a brutal loss in London against the, the the Ravens, where they didn't get off the bus or the plane, I should say. And they just got their ass beat for, for four quarters. You know, they had a shot to win it late. They didn't. The team looked ugly. And that, to me was the biggest indictment of Mike Vrabel this season. Because there weren't the injuries there at that point in the season. They, you know, he, his team just came out and looked dead against a rival in London. They had the same amount of, you know, obstacles that the Titans had. They came out and looked dead. But Will Levis took over against the Falcons, four touchdown passes. But the one that I most remember as being, you know, this this turning point in not just the season, but I think is in, in the Titans' at least in the way that I looked at this franchise in the direction they were headed, was that one to NWI 
where it was kind of a fadeaway throw off his back foot with pressure. Yes, yes, yes. Across his body, back left corner of the end zone. NWI comes down with it. And I think that was the moment where all Titans fans realized that, like, man, he's got it. You know, there, there's yeah. an it, it factor with Levis, and he can make every throw on the football field. You, you, we hadn't seen an arm that strong since, I don't know, uh, seriously, like Steve McNair maybe? Like there, there. We hadn't seen that in in forever. And then, two, like that that week, we were feeling a lot of feelings that we as Titans fans hadn't felt before. One, they're wearing uniforms that were universally loved. Two, Mike Vrabel opted for Will Levis over Malik Willis in Ryan Tannehill's absence. I don't think any of us expected the Titans to make that move. I think they expected the Titans to make the disappointing move and by going back to Malik Willis because he's got more starts under his belt. And they, you know, you, you didn't expect a guy like Vrabel to turn it, turn the keys over to this Ferrari to a rookie quarterback, but he did. So that was another great feeling. And then when that rookie quarterback goes out and balls his ass off in front of all of the uh, former Titans and Oilers legends, it was just, it was an incredible feeling. And it was like, oh, we might have something here with Will Levis. And it, we were on cloud nine. That was a fantastic moment. You called the Titans offense and then really the Titans organization. You compared them to a Ferrari. I think they're more Camry-esque. Yeah, and I, can make I that know. Joke. It didn't I sound make that right joke coming out. Because I, cause I, drive a, I drive a Camry. So my Camry Tuppers, don't come at me. I'm one of you. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Jack, one of, Jack's best friend is a Camry, okay? So he's allowed to make Camry jokes with a hard R. <laughs> oh, my God. Where is this what? going? All right, get to number one. Hurry, before we get canceled. Number one. Number one. The number one moment that left us, Titans fans, feeling great to be Titans fans. That is actually... Uh, I don't mean, actually don't even have anything. This is uh, we could only come up with nine things for this entire list. That's kind of the way this year has gone for Titans fans. Yeah, the best thing that's happened this Titans season simply doesn't exist. The best thing that that will happen this Titans season is that will it, it will come to an end shortly, in two weeks. Not soon enough. That's going to be the best moment of the twenty twenty three uh, calendar for the Titans. Not soon enough. Jack, as this being our last episode in the 2023 calendar, a year that will hopefully be forgotten very quickly, um, it, do you want to make any New Year's resolutions out the on your yes. way out the door? Yeah, I got one. And, you know, I'm lucky enough to do the draft show with A to Z Sports. It's one of the most fun things that I do outside of spending every Tuesday with you, Austin. But uh-huh. I wasn't trusting. I didn't trust the process like I should have. I was hurt by John Robinson, and I quickly learned that John Robinson's sins are not the fault of Rand Carthon. So when he drafted Tajay Spears in the third round with no ACLs, with Derrick Henry on the team, I was skeptical. I was not pleased with his draft. I was underwhelmed by his draft. So my New Year's resolution this year is to be patient with the draft picks and do not rush to judgment. Until Ooh, you get okay. to watch, I, you know, play. I think I could, I could probably use that one as well. Because if you remember, I was very critical of the Will Levis draft pick, and turns out he may be the Titans' quarterback for the next five years or so. So, um, hopefully, longer than that. Yeah, hopefully, honestly, uh, my New Year's resolution is kind of like along the same lines of yours. Not be so critical. I, I feel like with the Titans being five and seventeen in their last twenty-two games, I have built up this level of frustration in me that like 
I just think so negatively about the Titans. And I don't want to get back. I was there at a point where I was so apathetic to the Titans. I stopped watching games in the, uh, you know, like the Jake Locker, Ken Wisenhunt era. I want, I don't want to get back there. I don't want to let those thoughts and those, those processes like fall back into me and I want to stay positive and and I mean obviously like I'm the most optimistic guy in the world I feel like even when things are like the the sky is literally falling around me but I don't want to be so critical on like Twitter and things like that because I feel like I I I tend to be that and I do so with sarcasm and jokes and I'm going to try not to be so critical and also my other new year's resolution and I don't know how actually realistic this is, but this isn't more of a tangible New Year's resolution. I want to try and make it to a game. Really? You're serious? I want to try and make it. I want to try and make it to a game next season because in Chicago uh, or outside of Chicago, in Nashville, I want to get to Nissan Coliseum. Okay. I have did not go at all this year. I, I flirted with the idea early on, but. With my wife being pregnant and then giving birth in the middle of the season, it, it made that uh, practically impossible to do. So I was not able to go this year. Next year, I really want to make it to a game in Nissan Coliseum. So it has been far too long. Far uh, you too know, long. I, uh, it's been a while for me, too, because of these Titans game day shows. Like, I'm at Acme, and I can hear all the fun being had across the river right. in Nissan. But I haven't gotten to go, you know. It's been a while. I'd like to go to a game with you, Austin, if we can make that happen. So Ooh, let's try and get that out. That would be the first time we met in person, which a lot of people don't realize that as us uh, doing this podcast. We've been doing this podcast for coming up on four years in March. And Jack and I have never met in person. I you know where I live. Put, I think I'm going to be off put by how tall you are in person. I don't I don't think it's that crazy. I, I'm, a, I'm a six foot two lad. It's a, oh, my gosh. You know, it's my, it's definitely my best quality, but it's. I think uh, you're not going to love me as much. Not Realize how uh, not that tall I am. I look. Hey, I've got short friends. I've got tall friends. I've got skinny friends. I've got fat friends. It doesn't matter to me as long as you're a Titans fan. You're you're easy to like. Okay. All right. All right. I appreciate that. All right. Well, look. What a great note to send our 2023 calendar year of the Titan Up podcast out on. Hey, if you have any uh, top 10 moments that you would like to add to our list, because obviously we still have a, one vacancy open uh, that we need to fill, send those at Titan Up Pod. Or if you have any New Year's resolutions, Titans New Year's resolutions, please send those over. We'll we'll read those off in our first episode next week. Um, so uh, please send those over to at Titan Up Pod on Twitter, at Titan Up Podcast on Instagram. We appreciate you guys so much. You guys have been awesome with us even through a just a shitty season we appreciate uh the love and support that you show this podcast by rating us four and a half stars and giving buck point five stars it means the world to us seriously so thank you so much um jack uh, oh, f- follow a to z sports on all the socials at tighten up pod on twitter at uh, tighten up podcast on instagram i'm at austin huff on twitter jack is at jack a gentry on twitter give us follows there if uh, uh Jack, you got anything for the road? Yeah, I do. I and I I hope all the Tuppers had a Merry Christmas and I wish or, or happy holidays, I should say. And uh I, I wish everybody a happy new year. You know, it, it hasn't been easy to listen to podcasts about the Titans after losses this season, but we've got a really great group of core listeners who stick with us through thick and thin, and I think that's important that you know, no matter how the Titan season goes, not to lose your passion. And I just want to thank everybody for, you know, 
going through this crazy, crazy season with a couple of crazy podcasters. And uh, I'm just happy with what we've built. And um, I'm really grateful for everyone who listens to us every week. One day we'll look back at this uh, at this, and we'll, we'll laugh at how uh, bad, sad and depressed we were. Uh, because it will be great. Uh, we love you guys. Uh, with all of that said, until next week. Until next year. Tighten up. They're the Tennessee Titans. They're the Tennessee Titans. They'll keep on fighting all the way.